Big Adventures with Brian Durker is supported by Cloud Chaser Creative and Humphrey Summit Ski. Humphrey Summit Ski has been supplying Flagstaff and the surrounding area with quality ski and snowboard equipment for the last 40 years. Humphrey Summit Ski offers quality service, repairs, boot fitting, and more, all from the friendliest staff in Arizona, on the corner of Beaver and Elm, and in Grand Canyon Spirits on Humphrey Street in Flagstaff. Welcome, everybody. It's Big Adventures. I'm Brian Durkert. I've been a boatman in Grand Canyon for the last 50 years. And along the way, I have met the most remarkable personalities, storytellers, and liars that you could meet in any single place on this planet. And I want to take advantage of that and bring some of these people to you and talk about their adventures and talk about their dedication to our greatest national treasure, the Grand Canyon. It'll include the private sector, a lot of the commercial history and commercial sector of Grand Canyon. And I also want to get in the administrative elements with the Park Service and some of the other agencies, as well as the scientific stuff that's been going on in Grand Canyon. And I think you'll find each and every one of my guests has a lot to say. And I really am glad that you're going to sit in on this and get a load of this crowd. I'm excited about our next visit. It's with Lindsay Hopp, and she has been one of these defining women boatmen in Grand Canyon. I've followed her career since it started, and she's segued like everything comes from the Grand Canyon. It's gone other places, and she, by snacking in Grand Canyon, has created a snack that's for sale. And it's a really neat story of popularity, opportunity, and free enterprise. So sit in and I welcome Lindsay Hop. Enjoy. Lindsay Hop. Hi. I have so much to ask you about. Oh, I here. can't wait. On, I can't even imagine. On big adventures. <laughs> you know, it would be it would be cool to start out what your story is, where you were born and Yeah, where the little hubby began. Uh-huh. <laughs> on a cold, dark night in a town called Columbus, Ohio. Oh wow. January twentieth. So another year around the sun coming to a close soon here. Um, well, your birthday's coming right it up. It is. Don't forget. No, it's a, somehow <laughs> it ended up in my phone. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. From Columbus, Ohio. And my parents uh, grew up just a little, just in a little town east of there. So they're um, many generations actually in the Ohio Valley. Uh, and... Grew up in the suburbs on the west side of Columbus, and I lived there all through my youth doing, you know, mostly my my youth did revolve around athletics and school-oriented athletics, and um, and I, my parents, Ray and Sue Hupp, they, um, they, you know, lived a middle-class kind of life and uh, did the best they could. They did an awesome job. They were wonderful parents. And were they from Ohio? They were from Ohio. They were both born and raised there. They met each other when they were 10 years old, maybe even younger. And married at 11? And married at, well, they, they were together since eighth grade. That's impressive. And Are they still together? They're still together. I just visited in, them in Florida. They're 
new place in Florida. My dad's 70th birthday went and surprised him. So very cool. They are in love and doing it and it's just awesome. And that's a wonderful story. These days and ages, yeah. it's a rare and rare thing to see partnerships that are so beautiful like that. Right. Yeah. And, and um, so that's, that's just been an incredible part of life is to have them as my parents and, um, and I grew up in a pool. I grew up on a basketball court. I grew up on a track and field. You got that first step on the hardwood there? Good first step? Yeah. Don't, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, and just kind of lived this kind of somewhat like normal suburban life in Ohio. And uh, it was sometime in high school, I started to get these some these delusions of grandeur, as I call them. And I did a road trip out west with my older sister, when I was 17 and took a glimpse of the Grand Canyon for the first time, I saw Flagstaff for the first time. And up until then, I hadn't really uh, opened the door into the great outdoors so much. Like we'd done a family trip to Colorado. and But for the most part, I was living in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. And athletics were a great release. And- yeah, absolutely. And that was my <clears throat> total focus and, and art as well. And then once I made that trip with my sister, that really just kind of pushed open the door to some degree. And I ended up applying to Northern Arizona University. And that was um, that was my ticket out west. I ended up getting a scholarship. For academics? For academics, for- yeah. Uh, test scores, grades, stuff like that. And um, I decided I was pretty much done with the whole organized sports realm. I'd gone up and down a basketball court around a track and up and down a swimming pool about as much as I could stand. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I I just kind of had this, I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to go. And so as soon as I could, as soon, I was actually listening to Larry Stevens, and I think we have a pretty similar story. As soon as he could, he got in his car and drove out west and got out of Ohio. And that's exactly what I did, too. And I certainly haven't looked back. It's been the right move. Well, we're lucky to have Ohio because they're supplying us with <laughs> yeah. great, great folks out here. It's true. I have many friends out here in Ohio. And then you got out here. You went to NAU. Did you go clear through NAU for the degree? I did. I took one hiatus. There was a year where I just, I was like, I don't know what direction I'm going. So I took a year off. I went snowboarding in Colorado. I goofed off and just kind of sewed some oats for a minute then came back. I went to uh, Hawaii for a year as well as on an exchange program, which was a totally random experience. But I, because <laughs> I was like, ah, I think I might want to go somewhere else for college. And, but I didn't know where my advisor uh, just kind of randomly threw out, well, you could go to Hawaii. And I'm like, well, that sounds great. And the numbers lined up and I moved to Hawaii for a full year oh, wow. and went surfing and kind of went to school and <laughs> and, then, uh, and then came back and then eventually graduated after my last year. Here and what, what degree did you get? Biology. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, finished my degree in Bachelor of Science in Biology. And a couple days later, a week later, I did my first river trip as a guide in Grand Canyon. Wow. So you just went from Hawaii to Grand Canyon. That's <laughs> <Sort> fantastic. <of>. I <laughs> have a real soft spot for my heart uh, for Hawaii. It's a wonderful place. But I think if I stayed there too long, it would have gotten a little stir crazy for lack of land. You oh, know, I sure. love the ocean, as we all do. And, uh, but, uh, you know, you kind of get that love of the mountains and the canyons. And yeah, absolutely. And that's what, that's what brought me back, for uh-huh. sure. The is ocean it? is, 
certainly a drive in my heart that's still there and I need to attend to that once in a while, but the ocean wasn't quite enough. And so what year was your first Grand Canyon trip? Well, the first one was in 2001. And uh, that was thanks to our friend, Amber Meyer, who I had run into at a bar. I hadn't seen her for like a year in town. We were friends, but I mean, we didn't see each other a lot, but I ran into her in this random situation in town. And she's like, you should come on one of these trips that I do. And I was like, where's You even sounded like her when you that? said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did. Like, where, That's I'm a like, good where, Amber. What do you mean? And so she described a motor trip for Arizona River Runners. And I I was working trail crew at the time, which was my summer gig more or less during college. And I was like, wow, river trip. That sounds like a lot more fun than trail work. And uh, and so I did. I, I almost lost both of my jobs that summer because I just put my foot down and told them I was going on this river trip like two weeks later. Or We've all lost yeah. jobs for the same reason. <laughs> so thank you, Amber. No, um, Amber is a good friend of ours. And Arizona River Runners, for the listener here, is uh, the same outfit I'm working for right now. And it's uh, they're, they're a real good... Company and a great family-owned company, and they're they're still running strong. There's a lot of history to the company. It's a great great place to start. It is. I yeah started there, and I haven't ever found any reason to go anywhere else. Yeah. So well, and it's one of these days we'll do a trip. Yeah. Well, we did one. Yeah. I mean another another one. <laughs> yeah. No. But just I it, think just it would one. Be fantastic. How yeah, I think it's the was. only one. Yeah. Um. With that, you're still doing a couple a year or three or four a year? I'm doing one to two. Last year, I just did one. Last year was the first time in 18 years I haven't done a motor trip. So that was um, by design, but it was, uh, you know, kind of a landmark in a way. And But um, it was by design just due to my schedule and things going on in my life and felt it felt appropriate. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I'm really fortunate to be able to dive in for one or two commercial trips with ARR, GCW. A season. So. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way, you know. They'll get rid of us eventually. Very fortunate. But, Thank you. You know, let's keep going <laughs> as long as we yeah. can. A bunch of stuff I want to ask you about, okay. but um, why don't we talk about hobby bars? Okay. And when did you uh, get interested in in the that business? And yeah. again, for the listener, uh, hobby bars are the best uh, most nutritious, energy-filled aid for any outdoorsman. But go ahead. So honestly, it started with uh, a morning on my boat in the Grand Canyon. And I, I've i always been attentive to my diet and what I put in my body for the most part. And I, um, I brought my own snacks on trips. And I brought a little nugget of trail mix that had melted during the day. And then that morning it had, uh, it had cooled and gotten hard into this clump of like chocolate and nuts and fruit. Love. Love. A clump of love. A clump of love. (laughs) And so there I was sitting on my boat floating down the river. I think we'd camped at Nankaweep and it was that quiet little morning stretch. And and I reach into my ammo can and pull out this little like clump of love and I dive into it and start gnawing on it. And I'm like, gosh, I should just like put this into a little bar nugget thing. And then it would be just all compact and easy to eat, put in my mouth. And I can just do that as my second breakfast every morning or whenever, because I plowed through food at that point, you know, working a ton and being 20, whatever. And, and so that was just the initial, like, I'm going to make little bars. And that went on for 
a couple years of me just making these funky little bars. And this is a a little piece of my personality that's carried over since I was a kid. I was always screwing around in the kitchen and making cookies and bars and things that were, you know, sometimes delicious, sometimes over the top with chocolate and whatever. And, but it was just, I always had these little funny little hobbies of doing that. So I just jumped right into to that and, um, and had this kind of slight obsession with making this perfect little nugget of a bar but no intention of ever taking him to market. That was not something that was on my radar. I was perfectly happy being a river guide and going traveling in the winter. And um, and being self-contained with your energy needs. Yes, yes. And, uh, but you know, they were pretty delicious. And you have a lot of people around you on those boats and trips. And they're always poking into your stuff. And so they see you eating something and they want some too. And so little by little, the guides and the passengers would get a hold of these bars and they comment and encourage and one thing led to another. And I'm like, well, maybe we should sell them. I don't know. And my nickname was Huppy, last name Hupp. And so people call me Huppy. Of course. Yes. And which was totally not anything that I, 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 I can't choose your nicknames. I didn't like it for a while. But. Well, <laughs> we know Bowman that have chosen their own yeah. nicknames, yes. but we won't talk about that. Yeah, this is something I just have to accept. <laughs> and anyway, so I'm Huppy. They're, everyone's calling them Huppy Bars. And I'm like, well, I got a name. And I like to doodle and draw. And it's like, well, I'll make a little logo. And this was all just like for fun, just filling up space, you know. And then eventually it was, you start asking yourself like, well, why don't I sell these? You know, why not? Why wouldn't I? And so you start searching around for reasons why you wouldn't. And I could never find any. So that started the process of, all right, let's like start pulling this together. And I kind of to entertain having a partner at the time, but that just didn't seem to make sense. And they and so, never do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> still a lot of love, but it's just, you know, some things are just not meant to be in that way. But so off it went and it was a slow start. I was very like kind of methodical and just kind of thinking about every little step and pulling it together and um, wasn't in a hurry. And so I started kind of lily dipping with selling them. My first account ever was the Bright Angel Bikes up on the South Rim. Right. Who, good, a good yeah, one. It was owned by Wes Neal and Kyle George and who are former River Guide friends of right, mine. Right, so right, familiar. that was quite appropriate. Uh, second account was the one down here and um, the former corner store down in Flagstaff owned by a guy named Mick Oli, who now owns SMR. So he's, you know, just like little things like that were coming together where I had support, I had places to put them. Um, you know, friends were buying them out the back door mm -hmm. and, and it was just kind of this one this little thing building on top of another and crafting this product that really came from a place of good intention, of love, of, a desire for, for that product, it's space, it filled a space. And then, you know, to encompass kind of the idea of the company around yeah, the product being, let's get out and do things. Let's take personal responsibility for our health. Let's like, you know, perpetuate this idea of getting out in the outdoors and. Yeah. Great philosophy behind yeah. it. Yeah. So no, I love that. Hubby Bar is born in Grand Canyon and meant for the world. Exactly. That's what I'm hearing. There you hearing. go. Yes. <laughs> you're, beautiful you're, stuff. Do a little marketing <laughs> Well, you can always hire yeah. me for some. <laughs> yeah. No, but that does kind of segue into, uh, oh, golly, your social media is fantastic. I, I'm not 
big there in that realm of the world, but Jen has. And uh-huh. uh, you have these fantastic people doing fantastic things. You've done a great job with really like bringing the spirit of uh-huh. other people's activities. And no, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. No, thank you. And I've been a big fan of watching your thing grow and become what it is. And, you know, uh, for the listener, if you want to feel good, Get a happy bar. Yeah. You'll feel real good. They save lives. (laughs) (laughs) Like yours. I've heard story after story. Story after story. (laughs) Now, when you look back on the the river, you know, there's so many different elements that uh, affect us as individuals, especially boatmen are really like captured by the place. And it really becomes kind of an extension of us or a a part of us. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's it's fantastic to see uh, where that takes people, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, have you been on any adventures lately outside Grand Canyon? Um, yeah. Let's talk about a little bit about your adventures. <laughs> My adventures. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of one right now. <clears throat> but... Life. I guess, well, like, yeah, exactly. And Huppy Bar has been its own adventure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it all depends on how you describe an adventure, exactly. right? Because exactly. it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's something that you kind of dive into and you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you pour yourself into it and you're on board and you're going to follow through and then see what happens. And that's what the Huppy Bar, you know, Huppy Bar has been that entirely because I didn't know what the hell was going to go. I did not know business. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I was like, well, let's go give it a whirl, see what happens. And so anyway, so that's ongoing. Um, <laughs> I mean, as far as just fun outdoor stuff, like I did a, a so I did a trip up to the Arctic this summer. Yeah, I heard something about which that. Which was. Let's um, hear about that. Holy cow. I mean, that's like a piece of me is still there. You know, there's very few places that I can say, like, I've left a piece of me there. Grand Canyon certainly has a large portion of it. But um, <clears throat> the Arctic, the um, in the uh, National Wildlife Refuge area up there um, in the north, very north slope of um, the Brooks Range in oh, Alaska. Yeah. So um, the trip was uh, about 16 days, 15 days. And um, we flew. We took a little, you know, little bush plane out to the marsh fork at the canning where that river um that fork is and the canning flows north into the arctic ocean and so we got dropped off there i met some friends and then we essentially hiked through the brooks range more or less trending east kind of northeast and um, traveled up and over the continental divide a couple times and it was a route that some uh, friends of the group i was with had done the year before but it was we were essentially, as far as we knew, the only second group to do that route. Oh yeah, so, it, sounds, it sounds big. Uh, it was it was big. I mean, it was um, it's I mean, it's Alaska. It's the Brooks Range. It's Bigger freaking than life. huge, <laughs> like unreal. Yeah, it is truly the unreal. vastness and the size and and you know, Marika Tani was on the trip, and she and I talk about this a lot with just places that just take your breath away like that with that scale and that grandeur. And I mean, Grand Canyon is that place here for us. And so Alaska is kind of one of those other places that just takes it to a different level and puts you in this little place that makes you feel quite insignificant. And that feeling I think is something we crave sometimes. And so that was a place that made that very apparent. And so we just, you know, traveled down the valleys and up the valleys and over the passes and 
from the North Slope to South Slope, back to the North Slope, and then eventually um, we were at the headwaters of a fork that ran into the Hula Hula River. Right. Yeah. And so we followed that down um, to Grasser's Landing. We got a plane there to meet us with a resupply, which was handy. Were the were the caribou running or did you So see- <laughs> that was definitely part of our, you know, we anticipated and hopefully seeing a herd and we had just missed a big herd by like a week. They were, they'd moved through a river trip previous to us had given word to our pilot that they had seen like a 10,000 head herd move through the river. Yeah. I guess it's just something else. um, Yeah. Friend of mine ran the, or he had a commercial thing on the hula hula. And Mm -hmm. uh, he said, it's just something you just. And I, I might have to go back. So I'll go with but we you. Didn't, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's so, do it. but we saw some. We saw some uh, some wildlife. Um, couple bears. We we got on the hula hula, paddled all the way out to the Arctic. And, and so, do you, what kind of boats were you in when you got to the hula hula? Did you have boats dropped off, or did you have pack rafts? Yeah, we wow. had, well, we had them dropped off. It, our itinerary kind of shifted around, so we had <clears throat> we ended up getting them uh, dropped off rather than hiking with them, which was. Real nice. That's pretty luxurious <laughs> for up pretty there. Pretty nice. And then um, and boated them all the way out to the ocean, and uh, had to paddle out in the ocean across the barrier islands for like nine miles, and ended up on the Barter Island where oh, yeah. Kaktovik yeah. is, and that was our end destination. And wow! What so it was pretty is. wild, and we, you know, the kind of the climax of the whole thing was getting out to the coast and. You're on that. We were in that 1002. We were, you know, in the area where their proposed the proposed drilling was. So just kind of being in that zone really had a um, just had this kind of feeling of, well, oh, this might be one of the last times that you could come through here and really be un, totally undisturbed. Maybe, maybe not. Well, um, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, we're going to get to that a little later. Yeah. Uh, uh, but your perspective of where you've been and what you've seen, it, it lays heavy these. Uh, yeah encroachments on these protected lands and well stuff. and that and you know the, the biggest encroachment being it come just just after we got into the coast our our uh, you know focus was on the polar bears because we'd hurt you know they're they're around up there um but we were there mid-july and they typically don't arrive until mid-august well we got there and we got to the barrier barrier islands and we immediately saw polar bear tracks in the sand so, oh, wow. yeah. So we were immediately on edge. <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay. Uh, piling our little plastic boats around and like polar bears swimming around the ocean underneath us. And But anyway, the point being, and we ended up seeing some at, in town, um, but the point being that they were there a month early because they had nowhere else to go. You know, all their ice was melted. They didn't have any ice to float around on. They had to be on land. And so that was just a direct example right before our eyes exclamation point yeah, right there of everything that's happening especially on the accelerated level in the arctic you know they're with our quote-unquote climate change right so it was a powerful trip in a variety of ways and i yeah like i said it was one of the more impactful places i've ever been in my oh it life. sounds like it it yeah. sounds like a just absolutely <laughs> moving and incredible thing you know and yeah. uh that's what it's about. That's what life's about. And for the listener, you know, all of us benefit from putting ourselves outside the box a little bit. And uh, like you say, 
scaring ourselves or mm-hmm. challenging ourselves. And that, that trip, uh, you're pretty understated as to what kind of a, a distance you covered on foot in the first place. And then also small rafts do all those braids and all the paddling out on the ocean. I mean, that's something that's Yeah, uh, I think that very might be rare. more, more nerve-wracking part yeah. of the trip. And so it's, <laughs> I recommend it if you do it the right way. You know, it's not for everybody, but it yeah. it really makes your life rich. Indeed. Having that. Yeah. And that's, and you know, it's that idea of scaring yourself a little bit every day, if you can, is part of what does make life rich. And that can be anything, you know, that can happen in town, you know. Walking out the front door. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Whether it's like a real scare or just a uh, fear and like a challenge of facing something that you're maybe apprehensive of doing, um, but you're willing to put yourself out there and try. Yeah. No, that's great stuff. And what, where else? Uh, previous to that, I know you've been all over the place. Let's. Where, um, where else strikes you? Um, I mean, some of them around here, just, you know, going down into Grand Canyon and fiddling around in some of those little slot canyons yeah. that, <laughs> that no one gets to go to. That it, seems like a million miles away. It just amazes <laughs> me how down there, how untouched so much of it really is. And, you, you know, all, all of us that have done the backcountry down there. Uh, it's amazing that, you know, you'll go back to a place and yeah, probably nobody's been there in between the t- times you've been there. It's it's uh, still a lot of, especially in that western end. Yeah. I'm fascinated with that in the north north side. Right. Well, yeah. And that, um, yeah, we've been hitting some of those canyons in that Muav Gorge stretch, like, you know, Pocket Point and um, we did a second descent down uh, obsession, which was when Rich Rudo and those guys kind of. Oh, I heard something yeah, about that. Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun to kind of talk uh, poke a little around. bit uh, to the to the listeners about what canyoneering is, or, or kind of. I mean, we're talking about starting at the rim, usually starting at the rim. So, I mean, canyoneering it's basically just traveling down. A canyon, um, which a canyon is a tight, usually um, narrow gorge path kind of a thing. Um, walls on either side. I mean, I can describe a canyon. But uh, and then it usually involves some kind of like technical gear. There's obstacles along the way that are um, it doesn't have to involve technical gear, but typically yeah, like canyoneering to trip wood. Um but there's obstacles along the way, like dry falls or waterfalls and things that you have to use um, ropes and things to um, to, to descend, repel, to yeah. repel, to get down. So, so it's, yeah, it's just this kind of like play with the place. And, you know, sliding down a rope isn't necessarily like the biggest thrill for me. <laughs> I'm not a canyoneer that goes and uh, just likes to go repelling. But it's a tool with which you can use to get and see places that no one else sees. And... And beyond that, just a place that just feels incredible. And um, and as far as Grand Canyon goes, it's, you know, just like getting to know a really good friend even better and nooks and crannies and places that are just mind blowing and increase this sense of awe and uh, and discovery within yourself, you know, and with, the, you know, what it takes to get to these places. So, um, but yeah, typically you would start at the top and work down in a canyon. And so you're going down, maybe scrambling down all the way. Maybe you have a couple little rappels, but you set a, set an anchor, throw rope over, rappel down, pull your rope, 
keep working down um, down the canyon progressively until you get to whatever the bottom is. Whatever, you, whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the prize, is. whatever the prize. And then hopefully you figured out your way out to get back to where you started. So, yeah. And that's been a lot of the fun in Grand Canyon because these new routes have allowed us to link up some pretty interesting little figure eights and routes to places and, and then involving the pack raft. So it's like this multi sport of adventure. And oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have a pack that's got, we can, we can fit it like six days of food and gear. Um, you know, gear meaning like your canyoneering gear, your pack rafting gear, which involves a dry suit for both of those things. Um, ropes anywhere from like a couple hundred foot ropes to maybe like a 300 foot rope, depending on what you're doing. So lots of gear and heavy things. And then all your food um, and winter camping gear into these packs that are like 45 pounds. Yeah, no, I was just going to say what what, uh, Lindsay's talking about is uh, weight on your back. And it's it's not, you're not going to get away with all those logistics without a pretty heavy pack. Yeah, I mean, heavy, but also... um, the gear has come so far that we can pack all of that into. Well, that is truly amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and have it like not be 60 or 70 pounds, but a pack that's reason. I mean, it's still heavy, but it's a reasonable amount that you can go and be maneuverable and get out there and do things and for a week and do three or four different sports, you know? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> it's, amazing. it's just the coolest thing. I've done a little bit of it, not a real major amount, but it is truly this whole new intimate look at what the place is about because yeah. uh, everybody takes the access available and with those tools you have just this broad spectrum uh, added to the palette of what you can go do and see down there. I mean, it's incredible of the canyoneering and it's, uh, it's gotten quite popular, but it's uh, demanding. And yeah. it's also, you know, like the guy that cut his arm off, it can be <laughs> peculiar. <laughs> yeah, look both ways before you cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any plan coming up? You know, I'm trying to think. No, I have, um, we almost went and did one this last thing. So we have a, a yearly Thanksgiving trip we usually do, but this last one um, didn't happen mostly because of the weather. So shoot, I had to go skiing. Um, but nothing on the docket right now for that. I kind of have my head wrapped around a little something else that I'm in the middle of getting ready for. And you can't tell us what that is? I could tell you. Well, <laughs> what the heck? You're going to love it. <laughs> I know I am. So you remember a couple of few years ago, there was the raft team from Colorado that made an attempt. Well, yeah, and I I uh, did some work with them and uh, got to know those guys. And yeah, so they, so they um they put together this huge boat for uh, to make an attempt to break the speed record in right. Canyon, yeah, on the river. And so they made it valiant effort and but didn't quite make it. They um, the boat got punctured in lava falls. Um, so they had to prepare the boat and limp it downstream. Um, they still got out in under 40 hours, which is pretty incredible. So that left them with this little burning ember and they want to do it again. And so they have, uh, they've, um, put, pulled all the strings together and they actually recruited me to join them. That's fantastic. I'm excited about that. I have a really good feel for those guys, too, because I uh, filmed them on the test run 
Yeah. Down from Diamond Down. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I was interviewed just before the night before they disembarked. Uh, I was interviewed and uh, I felt like, golly, I might have put the juju on them because I did mention that, that quite possibly with what I know about rafting in Grand Canyon, <laughs> I hope they have a repair kit. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of feel bad about that. Well, because I did possibly uh, put the juge on them. Well, thanks for that. So, well, it's great because now I get to go. Got it out of the way. And hopefully <laughs> yeah. I'm involved. Hopefully yeah. I can be on the film crew. Or well, no film crew. We're just... Uh, just going to down and dirty? Down and dirty. Um, keeping it real. You know, they wanted to just do it and not have a bunch of stuff around it. Um, well, don't so you think it would be a good idea since you're on the trip that for this podcast, mm -hmm. we tie it in yeah. and do a play-by that we can air. Whoa. And and we will live. You, you listeners, stay tuned because I'm going to work a deal here <laughs> with you. Okay. And we'll, uh, we'll have a... a a play-by-play, -play and it, it'll be either they made it or they didn't. Yeah. But I'm going to work with you on a, a pre-tape thing that we can share with the world, and, and we wish you great success on this thing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's really in the spirit of giving it a go, and the and um, we're actually going to we're folding in a fundraising campaign for GCY with the whole thing. Oh, good. Which is awesome. That's just kind of uh, coming to light as far as putting it out there just like as we speak. So look for that, people. Um, Do you have a, a source that they can send their checks? I mean, we're on the mic. Yeah. So it's going to be through GCY. As far as I know right now, um, you can go to their website and I'm assuming. And that's Grand Canyon Youth, you guys, for the listeners here. It's a really cool little organization that's oriented towards educational and adventure trips for uh, young people in this region. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming there'll be some sort of link on their website, but we're going to certainly have be blasting out um, a link to a donation page through emails and, and social media. I'll have something on the Huppy Bar site, which is huppybar.com. Um, and so we'll blast out ways for people to go to the link and donate and we're also looking to have just like a little send-off event here in town before we go. Cool. The whole crew is going to be here, and we're going to have the boat set up at the Canex warehouse. And um, we'll also disseminate information on the time and place. Mostly, I think it's January 7th right now. It's oh, around cool. 5 o'clock. So that's two days. Our launch date is the 9th. Oh, cool. So it's coming well, up. Well, good. Yeah, I'll have to uh, visit you on that front, too, yeah. and say hi to those you guys. You should. Yeah. You should definitely you come. Are, is it mostly the same guys? or Mostly they... the same guys. I think four or five are the, five are the same. And then um, they've recruited myself, Justin Solomon, and Omar Martinez, which are all, they're, they're also fellow Grand Canyon yeah. guides. Yeah, so, familiar names. So it's just, it's taken on a little bit of a different feel this time um, for our everyone and kind of just, they want to, they want to come to Grand Canyon, celebrate Grand Canyon, celebrate the community, the spirit of just doing something, you know, that does move the needle a little bit, pushes the envelope, does something that people Very aren't cool. doing every day. And I'm excited and, to uh, hear about this. Yeah. And then like around any attention around it will hopefully draw that attention to Grand Canyon youth and people can, can help inspire the next generation of boaters and outdoors people that are going to start pushing this envelope in a different Hand direction. that baton to the young yeah. and the restless, you know? <laughs> and, and I love yeah, that. Yeah. It's our way of, of also just, you know, saying that we, 
how much you know rivers have done for us in our life and and to do anything that we can to uh, to extend that to the youth to give them a chance and i'm always behind uh these efforts you know these uh it's it's not really a head to head competition but it's a great thing to be out there and it's true Western adventure. Yeah. This undertaking is a fantastic thing because it's the team that's, you can, some people might say the team against the elements in the river, but I think uh, having you along, it'll be uh, clearly more a dance (laughs) of these guys, (laughs) a dance to victory. I've been thinking about it as a dance. That's so funny because I'm like, you know, I mean, it's, I'm kind of this like romantic that's just always like, oh, you know, it's got to have more than just like this race. It's this experience. And hey, do me a favor though. And I want you to do this with, uh, (laughs) with seriousness with the whole team. Okay. Have them limp arm, put their hand in the river, right out of Lee's Ferry and get molecular with the river. And put their hand in the river. Okay. And uh, you know the it isn't man against nature. It's it's man with dancing and and bonding. Yeah. With nature, right? Exactly. I, I wish you the greatest of luck. Connor. Thanks. And that goes yeah the theme of the GCY a kind of their theme right now for an event they're doing just after that is um, the places in charge. This, the spirit of yeah. it is is truly, you know, it's the the river, she's boss. Yeah, and we'll just do what we do. We'll just go. Have oh, some I'm excited. Fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll get behind this one. <laughs> awesome. And thank you for sharing your little secret with. <laughs> well, it's no, it's just not us. a secret. It's, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just in the midst of that. So I've just been kind of focusing on that for now. And after January 9th, we'll. See what happens next. Now I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you a more serious Uh-oh. reflection <laughs> of what what your travels and what your 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 whole outlook on uh, your relationship with the place mm-hmm. and the earth. And you've been a lot of places, and and we kind of barely touched on it as far as the yeah. Brooks Range and the the North Slope there. And there's a lot of really uh, Tough stuff going on as far as our free lands and our protected lands. And, right. you know, this administration isn't helping things, but that pendulum swings back and forth. Yeah. Is it too late to do something about global warming? Or can, if everybody that's listening to this, and, and I'm sure it'll be in the millions soon mm-hmm. that are listening. Uh, any, t- any, minute, <clears throat> any minute. But, uh, <laughs> Is there still hope for turning this thing around or are we throwing our hands up and just saying slow it down or are we just saying live well while we got it or what's your take? So good question. I think we should all ask ourselves this question, you know, in each other to see where we're at. Because it's for most of my adult life, as I've been paying attention, you know, I was in high, in college, I was going to rallies, like the green rallies of whatever, talking about the environment. And back then it was corporate greed that was on everyone's mind with Ralph Nader and everybody leading the charge. And, and climate change was not part of anybody's conversation. And But nonetheless, like I always had this hope and this, I felt like we would find our way through anything, you know, any adversary and um, adversity and And hope was very much a big part of my just demeanor about things. And 
the last few years have been really hard, like to, to be paying attention to everything beyond the administration, just, just as far as what's happening with our, our culture and society. I mean, there's, there's a lot of wonderful things that have been happening, no doubt. I mean, in some ways, this is a really amazing time to be alive with all the information, all the knowledge that we've gathered and all these things that are happening that are still positive. But I personally, because I have been paying attention, I think I just, it's been really hard for me to feel that hope. And I've, I have had some like depressive time with it. Not just not knowing that we're going to find this other side of it. And so to wrestle with that, I, you know, and, and, and I'm like, am I alone over here? But the more people I've talked to, and now I know you asked Larry this question and asking me and asking people like, how are we feeling? Like what's going on? And what's our, what is your outlook? Like, are you sad too? Like I'm feeling kind of sad and I'm trying after seeing the polar bears shit, I was like, uh, like yeah. this is real and loud and clear. Oh my God. Sure. And so I don't know, hope, like hope for what exactly. And hope for the next generation to have enough food to eat when our topsoil is like they say has like 60 more harvests in some of the topsoil areas in the country that have fertile soil. And, you know, there's just a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we're going to have to figure out really fast. There's a lot of consumption that the increasing population yeah. inflicts on yes. our everything, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's extra, it's exponential. Um, but given that, I mean, the human species is incredible and in that we've been able to adapt to a, a, all kinds of things quickly. However, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that it's good <laughs> that I have a lot of, <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say <laughs> <I> that. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's going to like go to shit next year, but a thousand years, I don't know. Like, well, as much as we love these young people that we're trying to hand the <laughs> baton to, uh, we can't help but worry for them. Of course. And I have nieces and nephews that, you yeah. know, I think about and, um, cause the, you know, the, the problem is that the predictive, the predictive models are just like not keeping necessarily pace with what's happening. Like, they're just like, well, I don't know. It's like, I think it's going to happen faster than we thought as far as things getting warmer, sea levels rising. So honestly, yeah, that's my brutal, honest answer is that I have been sadly affected by what's happening. And I, it's been something to swallow and to figure out how to feel about and how to like, how to have conversations with my nieces and nephews. I don't have kids, but like the next generation of like how that goes. Well, and you I know? think you're really spurring on something. I haven't put it quite like this, but I think we've all got to ask ourselves the question of if we're going to take a stab at it, what can we do personally? Right. And uh, how can we spread the word of urgency uh, of it all. I mean, if there's any hope at all, we've all got to take uh, uh, personal responsibility with it, whether it's a smaller carbon footprint on the planet or if it's uh, what have you, because there's so much hypocrisy for all of us. I mean, yes. we we drive cars down the road yes. and the infrastructure and the, the wonderful things that go along with all that are yeah. still uh, part of the problem. And we're stepping into a um, I think a time that is just so vastly different than 
I mean, I feel like every day is different from the one before. We don't know what's going to happen necessarily, but every day is a gift. Yeah, it is true. I say the same thing. To every day is a gift, and, and each of them have a different colored bow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank goodness, <laughs> a little diversity. But there's so much to look forward to, Lindsay. We're gonna we're gonna have you involved with this podcast again soon, and well, I'm gonna try and shuffle. Shuffle this visit forward so that we uh, get uh, actively involved with supporting this this speed run. It's exciting, uh, exciting proposition, and I'm going to be the biggest fan on oh, the good. <laughs> uh, uh, in the bleachers somewhere up there in the red wall. Thank you. Go, you we're going to need it. People are some people are going to hike down to the Black Bridge and see. Well, why wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah, make it fun. I mean, that's what that's the point is to do something fun and like and challenge ourselves and um you know i just love that this group of guys has is taking another stab at it i mean well when you talk to them give them my regards and tell them i'm i'm there for them if i can help in any way awesome appreciate that (laughs) well Lindsay, i sure appreciate your time coming over here and uh sitting down and uh like i say you know let's uh love our each day let's love our past adventures but let's look forward to our future adventures and uh thanks again thank you well there you go you know everything that is grand canyon is in those hubby bars and what a great visit uh we sure thank Lindsay. so everybody stay right side up and keep your bottom down thanks for visiting Big Adventures is produced by Brian Durker, Margaret Knight, and me, Gavin Bookner. Bill Gleckler and his mandolin provide our music. If you like our show, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts.